the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. My name is Pastor Joel. Welcome again to the Theology of Music podcast. My name is Pastor Joel. Today I'm going to take a look at another song that I've already examined. It was my second episode, the first one being The Blessing. The second one is Waymaker, and actually... Since recording last time's podcast, Waymaker has now hit uh, my most listened to. I also have hit 3,000 uh, downloads and plays, so that's uh, that's pretty cool, I would say. Uh, so thank you guys so much for listening in. Thank you for spreading the word, and um, thank you for anyone who is here now as a result of my collab with the Brian Test. That was a just a fun time with Vince, and uh, him and I want to do that again, so be on the lookout for another one of those episodes. Wow, I cannot speak right now. But yeah, so today we're going to take a look at the song Waymaker again. So last time when I looked at The Blessing, I essentially asked the question, was I fair in my, basically my my uh, delineation of whether or not it's, it is a good song, right? Was I was I fair in my decision about the song? And what I ultimately decided on with The Blessing was, yeah, I, th- I think I was fair in how I, I looked at that song. And I just, I don't really believe that it is uh, a corporate worship song set kind of song. It's, it's more of a special and not to be sung as the congregation, but more sung from the perspective of the worship leader towards the congregation. Uh, I mean, I've even seen a couple of people do it recently. And it's always just so interesting to me when people are I'm watching people worship doing that song, and I'm not I'm not knocking them for them worshiping, but it's I'm always wondering what are you what are you thinking when you're raising your hand during Amen, right? I, I get you're agreeing or or the you know may His favor be upon you to a thousand generations in your family, and I'm going okay, who are who are you singing that to? Um, and so what? Like I said in the last episode with The Blessing, what we've seen from that is it's not the most popular song anymore, uh, and it, it has dwindled in its actual popularity. Uh, right now, it's kind of sitting uh, outside of the top 10, and yet today's song, the song that we're going to look at today, Waymaker, is still number one. Now, it's not always number one. Sometimes it, it goes to, uh, sometimes it can be a little less maybe two or three, but it never, I have never seen Waymaker ever drop out of the top 10, right? So it's always in the top 10, always in the top five, always in the top three, right? Obviously that's logic. That's how logic works. But what I, what I think is so striking about this song is that it has maintained its, basically its hold on, uh, churches, not in a bad way. I'm just saying it's you can't basic you can't go without a Sunday without hearing it sung at most churches. Now, some of you who are listening to this song might even be thinking, well, we don't sing it at my church. You probably go to a different church. Most contemporary churches, most even even Baptist churches, non-denominational, non-denominational especially churches. Um, I've even seen it played and sung at Presbyterian churches, right? You're not you're not gonna go pretty far to to not hear the song sung in church. But really, should we be singing this song? Should it really be number one? In my first review of this song, I, I, I said, look, I don't like how the song basically says God's going to fill in the blank, right? The main one is healing every heart, touching every heart, turning lives around. God, God doesn't do that. God is not in the business of, and this is 
I'm not trying to say uh, he cannot do that, but what we've seen from scripture, which is his holy word inspired by him, right? You know, all scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. It's God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training righteousness, right? So we can learn everything we need to learn about God from scripture, right? We don't need anything else. And scripture has basically pointed it out that God is in the business of saving souls and changing lives, but he doesn't do that for everyone, right? Look back into to the time uh, of Egypt when God was rescuing his people from Egypt. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. There are times where he actually hardens the heart of people, right? The Holy Spirit does that. And so I would say he didn't really turn Pharaoh's life around in, well, in a negative way, I guess you could say, but... <laughs> I don't think he softened his heart. He wasn't healing his heart in the moment when he took his firstborn, right? So what I don't like about this song is that it it paints an unrealistic picture of what God does in the life of his people. Yes, God can turn your life around. Yes, God does often turn lives around. He does often heal hearts. He does often mend hearts, right? But he doesn't always do that. And so when you say you are here and you're healing every heart. That's not true. That is not a true statement. And people might say, well, you're just nitpicking. You could say that, but I would disagree because I would simply just point it back to, is it going to be the case all the time? No. Well, then don't say that though, if it's not always going to be the case. Now, if you preface that and say, hey, you know, let's, we're going to sing this song expecting that God can do that. And we pray in this moment, you could even pray before that God would do that. That's okay, but you would have to do that every single time you sing the song. And for me, when it comes down to it, I don't want to have to say that just so I can get this really popular song into my song set, right? And I think a lot of people are now, especially now that it's so popular and people still do it, they don't, no one thinks about that anymore. Okay, not everyone thinks about that anymore. Most people don't think about that anymore. I'm sorry, I'm not going to generalize. I'm not going to do that. Oh man, I got to I don't know. I'm not going to be able to do my Trump impression for much longer if if uh, the election results are real. Man, that's going to... I guess I could still do it, but it was, would be un, it would be, wouldn't even be ironic. It would be lame, like an old person trying to do TikTok dances. Anyway, back on the, on the main path here and no more rabbit trails. So my, that's why I, I, I don't believe that people are really giving the song... The full thought, right? And so they're just singing it. And I don't even know if really anyone um, that I know who's done that song has really prefaced it in that way, right? They've they've given some type of scriptural backing. I even saw this one person. They gave they did give some scripture, but didn't even have anything to do with really the song. Uh, it was just kind of some connection in some scripture reading to give it some type of to make you feel, oh, it's okay. It's got some. We we read scripture, so now we can sing the song. Uh, and, and that's just not how you do things. So with this song, it's not worth the hassle to me, right? And you may think it's fine. And here, here's the cool thing. You don't, you can listen to the song. I've listened to the song many times, right? I've listened to it in its original context, which was written about five or six years ago by, um, a woman from, I'm pretty sure it's from, it's, it's from Africa somewhere. I think it was Madagascar. I'm pretty sure Madagascar. Um, Sinash, I think it was her name, uh, which I'm, I'm also kind of surprised that I haven't seen any article about cultural appropriation because Leland did the song and now it's really popular in America, but it wasn't popular in America before in it's in an original, um, 
context and uh, mode and how they did it. And yet when a white person did it, now it's popular. I'm, I'm not trying to make any political statement. I'm just surprised in our current climate that that didn't come up anywhere. Um, and, you know, and I, what's really funny is when you sing the song, uh, the, the white version, right? You can still hear that there is that uh, island vibe to it, which was I, I did like in the original version, right? Because she was, she was singing it like we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, right? Those syllables, right? The how you're saying those words at the end of it, right? So it's waymaker sounds really weird though, because it's really supposed to be we make a miracle work, a promise keep, a, right? That's that's the rhyme scheme, which I I thought was really cool in the original one. But in the white version, it's like waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Ah, so bland and vanilla. But speaking of the chorus, I do like how the chorus is all about God. I mean, it is really good. You do have biblical backing for the the, the truth that God is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper, right? He is the light in the darkness. That That is who he is, right? And so... That's not the that's not a frustrating part about the song for me. Also, I apologize. I do not have acid reflux, but for some reason, only when I'm recording this daggone podcast do I start to get these burp bubbles and I I have to fight that do I do I kind of just stop and burp? Do I try to see if I could get it outward? It's so lame. So, half the time I am if you hear my voice get weird, that's cuz I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life right now in this moment. So, there you go. Little tidbit about Pastor Joel. So, continuing on. So, the chorus is good. I do like that about the chorus. And in the bridge, there's there's nothing wrong with the bridge even when I don't see it you're working. Even even when I don't feel it, you are working. Right? I do love that. I love that there is a a a, a, a hint to to things that are going on that you don't know, right? So if you right now are in a, at a time of, of trial and testing, you actually don't know what God is doing, right? Because you're so wrapped up in what's going on in front of you. Like I completely can empathize with that, right? Where you you honestly think for a second, Man, what the heck is going on? How did I get into this position? Where is this coming from? What did I do to deserve this, right? And you're thinking, what is God? I, I have no earthly idea what you're doing. No pun intended. We don't, right? It's, it's no, it's no uh, a random chance that the apostle Paul in, Col- in Colossians says, you set your minds on things above, not on below, right? Because when we set our minds on things that are only of this earth, we get bogged down. I mean, think about it. How many times have you been depressed or anxious or frustrated or angry because all you were thinking about was you, Right? You weren't thinking about what God is doing in this moment. I'm reading this book um, that specifically is about um, the crisis of the the COVID-19, but it's called How to Pray in in a Crisis. Uh, It's by Daniel Henderson. It's um, a four-step guide to renewal. And one of my favorite lines, though, even though it's specifically about the crisis of COVID-19 and the pandemic, right, and everything that's happened as a result, one of my favorite parts of that book is towards the beginning. And it's a short book, but it says... Something to the effect of, it's a shame when a Christian goes through a crisis, but doesn't come out of it on the other side changed. That's essentially what it is. That struck me in the face harder than a wet fish at Fishtown, right? I mean, it was insane. I don't know why that just came from. Don't ask me. It just came to my mind and it just did it. I just said it. So 
but it's so true. Man, as Christians, it is a shame for us to go through trial and testing and come out the same person. That What that does is it shows that in the entire time of our testing and trial, we never leaned on the Lord, right? Or in the time, the entire time of our testing and our trial, we never once asked, what am I doing wrong in this situation, right? And so that's been my prayer a lot lately is, okay, God, refine me. One of my favorite songs right now is Refiner by Maverick City Music. And it says, you are fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. I want to be tried by fire, purified, right? I mean, and you take what you desire. Lord, here's my life. I love that because I want to be refined. I don't want to look the same tomorrow and the next day and next year. I don't want to be wrestling with the same sins next year that I wrestle with now. I don't want to be bogged down by the same self, uh, self-centeredness self a year from now. That's That means what I did in this entire year was I still focused on myself. Right now, there are thorns in the flesh. The Apostle Paul says that. But I think if we are really working hard in our on our salvation, right, we're working out our salvation, as Scripture says, with fear and trembling. Right, we will progress in sanctification. If you know me, you know that I love I love CrossFit, and recently the CrossFit Games, twenty twenty CrossFit Games, which was really looked really weird, but it uh, it was great. It was a fantastic um, show of one of this guy's. His name's Matt Fraser his dominance. He's now won five years in a row and his his slogan is hard work pays off. And I wish more, I, I so wish that Christians adopted that slogan into their sanctification, right? Hard work pays off in our faith. We cannot simply just expect our, ourselves to look different the next day, just keeping on, keeping on, right? We have to die to ourselves. We have to sacrifice. We have to pick up our cross, which is hard and it's heavy and it's not easy, but even when we don't feel it, God is working. Even when we don't see it, God is working. Matt Fraser has said at times when people say, you know, how do, how do you, what do you think during a workout? He says, suffer now and the reward comes later. Just get through this and the, and the, the hard work will pay off. And I keep thinking, amen. <laughs> Man, how, sh- how shallow am I to be in the middle of a trial, right? And to think, I don't like this. I don't want this anymore. I need to leave it. I need to leave XYZ situation, right? That's why that's why millennials and, and Gen Zs leave jobs prematurely. That's why marriages are broken uh, when they need to be fought for. That's why relationships are torn apart instead of fought for because we don't want to do the hard work because we don't believe hard work pays off. If we did, we'd suffer now knowing that the reward is later, right? These light and momentary trials are storing up for us, as the Apostle Paul says. So God is a way maker. He has made a way in all of our lives to grow in our sanctification and look more like him. He is a miracle worker. He saved you and me. If you're in Christ, he saved you. That's a miracle, Christian. And he's a promise keeper. There has never been a promise in scripture that God has made that he has failed to come through with, that he's failed to actually act on, that he has failed to keep. And so that's who he is. Now, this song, right? I cannot do the first verse, the verses, but I love the chorus and I love the bridge because it's true. And in fact, I'm actually pretty sure I'm going to do this song, not on a Sunday morning, because I don't think you should play it on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to do it at a night of worship and, and specifically one that we're going to do when we ring in the new year. 
Because how cool would it be to tell everyone before we sing this, hey, this year he might not have healed your heart. But let's pray that he does this coming year. This year, your life may have felt like it wasn't going anywhere, but he can turn your life around this year. So pray that expectantly, right? That's how I would use that song. And I think it gives it the weight that it needs, right? Or else you're just going to be singing these songs on Sundays and they're they're not going to have any weight. Yeah, they're going to have people raise their hands and it's going to feel fine and nice for an hour. And then they're not, they're not going to remember the truth because there really wasn't much. They're not going to really continue to grow in righteousness and holiness and, and grow in their sanctification because all you did was you just made them feel fine for 30 minutes. So that's why you don't sing songs just willy-nilly, right? You don't just throw songs in a set. This past Sunday, and this is not to toot my own horn, but this past Sunday, uh, this will be the last thing I say and then we'll be done because I know I'm going pretty long. But this past Sunday, we sang Revelation song, which I love Revelation song. And at the end of the song, right, we said, worthy is the lamb who was slain, holy, holy is he. We went back to the first verse. And then I had one of the singers sing, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's the last verse of Amazing Grace. What I wanted the people in the church to see is the connection that the angels and everyone right now are singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, holy, holy is he. They're all singing that right now. We're going to be singing that for all of eternity. We're going to be praising God. And yet when we've been there 10,000 years bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. And then we said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And it was, it was a beautiful moment because I was intentional about my set list. I was intentional about what we were singing. And I did a little bit harder of the work towards my set list and it paid off. If you just throw these songs together and you get the response week in and week out, you, then you're going to have to keep throwing in the, the new song, the one that gets everyone going. And all you're doing is you're just conditioning your church for the next fad and you're conditioning them to like the song. But here's the funny thing. If it's not in the right context, people aren't always going to like that song. And it, it makes the song worse if you do it poorly, right? Waymaker done terribly is pretty bad. Because <laughs> then you think, well, shouldn't it be having the same response? No. Because <laughs> it needs it needs other thing, it needs other legs to stand on. Now, if you really focus on the chorus and the bridge and you do it well and you frame it well, that's different. But anyway, so with my verdict towards this song uh, and back to kind of my new criteria, uh, it's God-centered in um, in its theme. Uh, it is congregationally friendly. I think it's easy to sing, uh, even though, you know, if Leland does it, it's way too high. Jesus. Sorry. And then uh, it's got some... Don't really have any Christ exalting language. Not really lament. It's, um, sanctification. It's got some aspects of sanctification in that even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. But it's not really towards me. It's kind of you know, oh, you got to. I got to wait on the Lord. So, um, all in all, uh, I think I was. I was. I would still stand by what I said in my first uh, review of this song. But hopefully, this encourages you, listener, and hopefully. Uh, you're encouraged as you look forward to Sunday morning. I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope you have a wonderful Lord's Day. And as always, if you guys have any suggestions or song ideas or critique or questions, email me at theologyandmusic at gmail.com. With that, you guys have a wonderful day and wonderful Lord's Day. See you later.